0: Good morning. Uh, today we're going to be doing uh, a topical message and uh, kind of our, our standard operating procedure as a church um, is to do more uh, expositional preaching where we take a, a passage and kind of work through that passage or we go through uh, a book of the Bible uh, like we recently went through uh, in the book of John uh, over, over a year working through that and taking a look at different things, and we're gonna be heading into another series that begins next week, uh, going through the book of Hebrews and taking a look at that. Uh, but in the meantime, then, we have uh, a couple opportunities and we do do topical uh, preaching, and when you start to get into um, the woods a little bit with, with topical versus expositional versus exegetical and all these other big words when it comes to preaching, um, people have preferences. Uh, over these things. And uh, and again, we tend to do this exposition where you take a look at passage by passage and working it through uh, for that whole council. But I also truly believe it's beneficial to be able to do topical at times because uh, you're addressing things that are needed. Whereas if you're in the book of, of Luke for over a year, then how do you address something that's not in the book of Luke when an opportunity arises? Uh, And so today is one of those such days where we had that opportunity, we're not in the midst of a series, Uh, and not only that, um, uh, it's all, I think, harder to do, because when you're in a series, you're like, okay, what's the next verse, and now let's do a message on that next verse, and it's almost easier because like this is next, and this is next, and and when it becomes on a Sunday like this where it's like, uh, okay, what topic are you going to preach on, and you look at the Bible and and it could be anything, right? It could be marriage, it could be food, it could be sins, it could be anything. Um, And so today uh, we have a message that as I was praying about, um, and actually it's something that the... That's distracting me, I'm sorry. I don't know what I it was. It was. Cracker. That's what I was. Uh, um, praying about today, and and today there's uh, a race that's happening, kind of like out our back door with Run the Rock, uh, and it's something that the prayer team uh, has been praying for for a long time. Uh, as far as if there's anything that as a church we could do to kind of be involved with that and help out with that. And it's something that we did in the past when they, they had the race on a Saturday and we had a number of people volunteer to be able to help out at different aid stations and, and things like that. Um, this year we asked for some volunteers and we actually had a couple people run in it and Matt Palm has crawled his way here after running a half marathon um, in under an hour and 45 minutes, I might add breaking the, the goal that he set. So congratulations for that. Uh, this year also, the race was um, raising proceeds for a foundation called Isaac Strong, uh, which is a foundation that raises funds, and I believe, if I remember right, 80% of the funds go towards the families uh, that have children that have cancer, and then 20% goes to Cancer Research, if I remember right from their website, and so raising f- funds for that. And so again, as a church, we've been praying about like like how to be involved for that, and over the past Uh, weeks, the prayer team has even been going downtown and and walking the race route and and praying for that and praying for these kids and their families and and everything. We were even considering at one point having service like outside um, and right over there. And in in fact, the race organizers were kind of open to that. And then as we got closer to the date and looking at the time, I'm like, you know, it's going to be 30, it's actually 38 degrees right now. Um, which would have been really hard <laughs> for, for families and kids and no bathrooms to be kind of sitting out there with blankets and, and everything to do that. Uh, and so, okay, Lord, like, like what are you, you doing with this? And, and maybe it's something in the future. Hopefully, maybe the race they do is on a Saturday and we'll be able to get more involved that way. Um, but as I continued to pray about it, I felt like it helped to shape the message for this morning. Um, And and in that, we're going to be looking at two different things this morning. Uh, One that is uh, rarely fully addressed. The the first thing that we're going to look at this morning, uh, we'll touch on, we touched on a number of times as we went through the book of Luke, um, but we touch on it, but we rarely fully address it or or how we believe or act upon it. And then the second thing this morning uh, is something that is rarely addressed, if ever. Uh, And so we're going to get into those two things. Uh, But before we do, let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you, and uh, we thank you, God, for this day. I Thank you for the opportunity to come together as a family, as a church, to worship you, to proclaim your goodness and what you did for us, to pray and ask for your Holy Spirit to make it real and open the eyes of our hearts to understand that, that we might truly know how much you love us, as Mackenzie was led to focus on this morning. We pray that that continues, Lord, as we look at this gift that you have given to us uh, and these things that you've called us to be aware of in this life and to pursue. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as I mentioned, the race is happening. It's benefiting that Isaac Strong Foundation, uh, which is an organization for funds with families battling uh, pediatric cancer. Um, And cancer and other illnesses uh, are really something that plagues this life. Right, like we we go through our life and and I can't think of anybody that hasn't dealt with that in some way you know whether it's friends or close family members or or anything like that even within our church Uh, and and Becky um, who how long has it been since they said you shouldn't be here anymore can't even remember anymore it was before COVID wasn't it yeah so like 2019 yeah so they, they kind of gave her like this deadline of like 2019 is your last year kind of thing. And, and she's still here with us. Uh, yeah, with the, the healing really from cancer. So, um, but it's something that, that's there and, and it feels wrong. And we talked about this the other time when we were, uh, during Easter when we were talking about how death feels wrong because it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't in the Garden of Eden. It wasn't part of, of God's design, but sin entering the world and, and death through sin, cancer through sin is, is something that's left a path of damage, death, and, and sadness. Uh, in our life and the truth of scripture tells us that ultimately uh, there's going to be absolute healing and one day all of this will be gone we see this in revelation chapter 21 uh, where he says a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away the sea was no more and saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared like a bride adorned for her husband then i heard a loud voice from the throne look god's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the f- previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. He also said, write, because these words are faithful and true. Uh, and I love this little ending here. Write, because these words are faithful and true. Like, like, it's almost like he's talking to John here. And he's saying that someday God's going to live directly with mankind. And the church, this new Jerusalem prepared like a bride, is going to be there. And we just went through that whole series in John called the bride and the preparation of the church as the bride. And so he's telling this to John who's in exile on Patmos right now for his faith. He's in a prison island. And he's saying, one day, the church is going to be prepared like a bride. God's going to be living with mankind. No more death, no more tears, no more grief, no more crying, no more pain. And I imagine John sitting here like writing, okay, God, I'm getting this. Are you really saying this? And God's like, write this down because these words are faithful and true. And then John writes that down too. And I almost take it like John's like listening to the Lord in this and almost incredulous over the promises that God's actually saying to him. No more death, no more illness, no more pain, no more tears. All of these things are gone. This is the hope that we all hold to. But as John's receiving it, he's like, yeah, that'd be really nice if it ever really happens. And God again is saying, write this down because it's faithful." And true. And I think as we come to this passage, as we look at these promises, he's saying, write this down, like like take it into your hearts. Claim this as true, because God Himself, who spoke all things into existence, is saying, This is the truth of reality, that all of these things will be gone. And I think that all of us will stake our faith on that, our hope on this, that that as we go through this life and as we have pains, as we have sorrows, as we see death, as there are struggles, one of the things that carries us through is that someday these things will be gone. One of these days, they will be no more. And so we have that hope and we have that faith in this full healing for those in Christ Jesus. Jesus. But then the question comes along, uh, what about here and now? Because we're still on this earth. In fact, Jesus said and he prayed in John chapter 17, "I, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. I pray that you leave them in the world to be lights, to be ambassadors in the world. And it's one of those things where like if God's plan in this is, okay, Here's this really frustrating, hard life with with sorrow and death and illness and and all of these things that are taking place. And and you just have to, like, endure. And then once you're saved, here's this day in the future, but just kind of keep struggling along until you get to that day. I was at a youth conference once. And uh, the whole point of it was uh, our calling and our mission in life and, and that we're here for a purpose. And the, the guy, the youth pastor that was, was speaking at that point, he's like, one of the biggest evidences that we have a purpose here on life uh, is that God doesn't just beam us up, Scotty, when we come to salvation. Because if the whole point was just our salvation and then a reward for salvation, then why wouldn't God be like, okay, they believe Hey, welcome. All the hard things are done. I could be really nice, wouldn't it? But he doesn't do that for a reason, for a purpose. It's because he has stuff for us to do here on this life. But, but the hope and the promise in this is, is it not just for these purpose in our life, for this transformation, for this identity, to be lights and ambassadors in this world, but he's actually calling us to make an impact in this world, to make a change in this world from heaven. To no longer live according to earthly things, but actually to be able to make a heavenly impact, much in the way that Jesus did. In fact, uh, Jesus is something that part of his ministry uh, was something that he then commissioned uh, to us in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. And he says, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. This is a challenging passage. He's saying those who believe Christians will do these things. And then there's this whole debate that then comes like what time frame was he actually talking about? Because when we look at the Scriptures, and we see different circumstances. Um, Paul, who was sitting there on, on an island after a shipwreck, and he's taking some wood and putting wood on a fire. He gets bit by a snake, and, and then all of the natives of that island are like, oh, he did something wrong. He's being punished. He's going to die. And, and Paul just picks up the snake, throws it into the fire. Any minute now, this guy's going to die, and he doesn't. And because he doesn't die, they recognize the power of Paul's God and are actually willing to listen to the gospel and come to salvation at that point. Really cool thing that happens. But we struggle at this passage. Does it mean for us here today? Are we able to do these things here and now today? And we look at other passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it talks about, we often look at it as the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. You know, it doesn't keep record of wrongdoings. We say it at weddings. Um, But really towards the end of that, it also talks about uh, the gifts and that these gifts will not pass until the perfect comes. The perfect coming would be Jesus Christ's return. In fact, what makes sense is he's commissioning the church and his followers saying, I'm giving you this mission until I return. Here's how I'm empowering you until I return. He's not sitting here saying, okay, I've got this mission for you to carry on for over 2,000 years, because we're 2,000 years into this, but guess what? You're only equipped and empowered in order to do this for the first 90 years. And then the other 1,910 years, you're on your own. We're still commissioned in the same way, to be his disciples to be his hands and feet, to carry out the gospel, to be lights on this earth until the perfect comes. Then these things will pass away. Jesus is not back yet. We are still on mission. It's why he hasn't taken us away yet. He hasn't done the whole beam them up, Scotty. I'm blanking on the word. Donna, what is it? Take it up in a blink of an eye. Like I'm doing charades here. Somebody with the word. Rapture. I beat you to it. I knew I would get But he hasn't hit the rapture button yet. Because there's still a purpose. There's still a calling. There's still a reason for us to be here. And so we're still equipped in the same way. So we look at this passage. We're still equipped for those who believe, those that are saved, in his name, driving out demons, speaking in new tongues, picking up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. Still true for us today. The commission of the church is gifts until the perfect comes. So can we go pick up snakes? There are people that do this out east in the mountains, and they die. They get bit. They get sick. It happens. Drinking poison? Anybody's ready to, to try that? No. And the reason for this is these gifts cannot be manufactured. We cannot try to control them. We cannot try to create them. We cannot try to manufacture them. We cannot go into a situation where, all right, just to prove, let's grab a snake and see what happens. But in the midst of being faithful to God, Paul wasn't looking for a snake. He was following the mission and heading towards Rome, willingly being imprisoned in order to go to Rome because he knew that's where God had him to be. And as he did that, God's protection was there for that purpose and and for that calling. The Holy Spirit moved in that situation. We cannot manufacture these types of things. However, one thing is clear within the New Testament is that we are to pray expectantly for healing. This is something that was touched on in our membership course, the last one that we looked at. But again, the expectation is clear within the New Testament that when you pray, people will be healed. Most examples point out to this. and In fact, there's only one that I can see where someone, I think, wasn't healed. And, and again, this is my understanding, the way I look at the Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul is talking about his thorn in the flesh. And he's praying to God three times to remove that thorn in the flesh from him. And God says, I'm not going to do it because my grace is sufficient for you. And God actually like, answers that prayer and says that he's not going to remove this thorn in the flesh. Now, there's a number of different things. What is this thorn in the flesh? You know, Is it a, a sin issue that he was struggling with and he just wanted that temptation gone? Um, I happen to believe that it's a, a physical issue. Um, and I've got two verses that I point to. Um, for my own personal conviction on this. Uh, The first one, uh, both in Galatians. uh, In Galatians chapter 6, at the end in verse 11, uh, Paul makes a point to say, see what large letters I'm writing this this conclusion to you in. So somebody else was writing most of the letter to the Galatians for him. At the end, Paul takes over in order to kind of put on his final greetings uh, to the Galatians. And he actually says, like, see how large my letters are. Uh, and I think it's, he, had, he had a problem with his eyesight. And so he needed to have larger letters in, in order for him to see it. The second thing is in Galatians chapter 4, verse 15, he's talking to them uh, and saying he's talking about an issue with his eyes and how the people in that congregation, if they would have been able to take out their own eyes in order to give them to Paul, they would have. Uh, And so, to me, I put those things together, and I think this is a situation where Paul was praying, asking for healing, for his eyesight, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Again, I can't stand on that on concrete, um, but that's kind of my reasoning uh, through that. Uh, Again... I bring this up because I think that's the only circumstance that I can find in the New Testament where somebody prayed for something uh, for healing and, and God answered with a no. Any other circumstance, if somebody prayed for healing, that person was healed. So again, the expectation for healing in that is that as we pray, people would be healed. In fact, the way that they prayed Uh, We see an example in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Uh, Peter and John were going up, so this is after uh, Jesus' death. Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I, ha- I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. It becomes this testimony uh, that they actually eventually become arrested for, taken to the Sanhedrin, this very same people that condemned Jesus to death. They tell Peter and John, stop talking about Jesus. They're like, we can't do it. They beat them. And then in Acts chapter 4, their prayer is, God, give us more boldness in order to proclaim the gospel. And as you give us more boldness, may signs and wonders accompany it in order to show the power of God in the message that we're preaching. This was the expectation of the early church. So much so that that they're walking and here's this guy on the street and, and they could have passed by, but they don't. Instead, what they do is say, look at me. It wasn't even this passing by prayer of like, oh, there's somebody that could be healed. And so, you know, Lord, as I pass this person, I pray that you would heal them. And how cool would it be if they like... Jump up right now, and and it was no. Look at me, and then even the way that they pray is, I don't have money, but what I give, what I have, I give in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. We look at Jesus and the apostles as they go through this. Get up, stand up, speak, walk, laying of hands, and there's even circumstances uh, where Paul's handkerchiefs were handed around. And people were healed within the New Testament. This sounds fantastical. Really cool. We're still on the same mission. Jesus said, this is your commission until I come back. He has not come back yet. And yet this is something that, that we struggle with. How do we pray for those who are sick and, and as I look at this, again, like I said, this is a, a topic that we sometimes talk about, but never really fully. We talk about it as we get into some of the miracles. We talk about it in the way of, yes, we believe that God still heals. We talk about it in the way, of, yes, we should pray for those who are sick. Uh, and in fact, we're going to be praying uh, for David later today after the service uh, for him as well uh, with some vertigo that's come back. And, and yet... We've come 2,000 years later where I've recognized, like, even a lot of my prayers at times are full of caveats, full of conditions. Lord, we come before you. We know that you can heal. And so we ask for healing. We ask for healing for this. Uh, But, Lord, uh, if it's your will, and, and if the healing doesn't happen, then we pray for wisdom and we pray for doctors. And and we pray for this, that, and the other thing. And so many of our prayers, at least I recognize for myself, as I look through the New Testament and how they prayed, are so very different. Lord, we ask for this to be a cool gift. Don't ever see that in the New Testament. Not one word is written that way for anybody who prays. Daddy, this would be nice if you could do this, but if you don't, we understand And I think, honestly, this is much of our approach as we pray for those who are sick. Again, the New Testament was this expectation of healing. Get up, stand up, speak, walk, the laying of hands. What if we started praying in such a way where somebody with a broken bone, we start praying for them, and bone be mended in Jesus' name. May sound crazy from our whatever century, are we still in the 20th century, are we in the 21st? 21st century? right? May sound crazy from that aspect, but the model given to us in Scripture is this way of praying. It should challenge us that their expectation was healing. And then if it didn't happen, we were just told to keep praying. That if healing didn't happen, it wasn't like a, oh, well, we'll just wait to see what God's will is in this matter. It was an Continuance of prayer. Jesus actually had a parable of that persistent widow that kept going and knocking on the door and knocking on the door, and it was all about persistent prayer in order to keep going for that. In fact, there's another example in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, that I believe is fully in here for us to continue to pray. Now, this is Jesus. This is a story of him praying for somebody. This is God himself, the one who spoke all things into existence, that's praying for somebody. We're going to read through this, and then I'm going to tell you why I think it's written this way. Verse 22, they came to Bethesda. They brought a blind man to him, to Jesus, and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village, spitting on his eyes. I'm not saying we should spit on people's eyes, unless the Holy Spirit tells you to, because Jesus did it. Like like honestly here, like it sounds crazy to us that we would never do this, spit on somebody's eyes or spit in the dirt and, and like make mud and like rub it on somebody's eyes. Jesus did this. And there's so many things that we would say, I would never do this. It does not make any sense. But Jesus did it. And he was here to be the example for us. I'm not saying it's prescriptive right? Because Jesus does it when we're praying for a blind person, we are not supposed to automatically spit in their eyes. It's not prescriptive. But I think these examples are there for us to learn the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit does. And he might call us to do something odd that we doesn't make sense to us. Continues on. So he does this thing, spitting in his eyes, laying his hands on him. Uh, asked him, do you see anything? Verse 24, he looked up and said, I see people. But they look like trees walking. That's like what, what it's for me without my contacts in. Like, like if I don't have my contacts in, you're just blobs and chairs. It gets really awkward when I go swimming at a public pool and, and I'm walking around and my wife and daughter are both shorter. And, and so I'm walking up to other kids like... Oh, no. Oh, no. Right? So, so Jesus is praying for, this, praying for this blind man. And all of a sudden, he sees people, but they're like trees. They're like blobs walking around. So then, verse 25, again, Jesus places his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I think this is a really remarkable passage. Because it's God himself laying his hands on this man. Did Jesus have a lack of faith that that prevented a full healing to begin with? No. Did he lack the power in order to accomplish a full healing to begin with? No. The reason I think it's here is simply as an example. Jesus could have done it like that. But I think it's here as an example for us that as we engage our faith, as we pray, we may see no healing. We continue to press in. We may see some aspect of healing. We continue to press in. We're called to pray in a way with an expectation that healing will happen. And we continue to expect healing and persisting, even if it's years, persisting and not settle or reason away anything unless God clearly speaks to us, as I think he did to Paul, saying, this isn't happening. My grace is sufficient. There is a reason for this. But until that very clear message from God, from the Holy Spirit, we're called to continue to pray with boldness that healing will happen and that God will accompany His gospel by working in ways of power. Again, it's challenging for us because it means stepping out in faith. And it's easier to just pray in such a way that's like, okay, well, the ball's in God's court. Lord, we pray for healing, and what you do, you do. All right, we asked. It feels safer for us to do that, but that's not in Scripture. That's not the way it was inspired by the Holy Spirit to teach us how to pray for those that are sick, to do it with expectation, to continue to do it until we hear from God. And so as a church, that's how we want to approach this. Now the second thing this morning uh, that I mentioned before is rarely if not ever uh, mentioned in church uh, has to do with um, health and faithfulness. So again, the first aspect um, regarding cancer and praying for healing and for sickness kinda comes from the Isaac Strong aspect of what's happening out behind us. The second thing has to do with the race itself, with people out there running (laughs) And pursuing after their health. And so the second thing is we barely, or if ever, talk about health and faithfulness um, in our bodies and the life that we live. One of the reasons why God may not answer some of our prayers uh, is because he's using the things that are happening in our bodies to get our attention or to teach us something. Or perhaps our prayer for healing is actually asking God to get rid of the consequences for our own actions. For instance, if you're a diabetic and you disregard all of the advice and nutrition aspects of that disease in regarding to doctors and you continue to eat in such a way that allows it to run wild and you get to a point where part of your foot needs to be taken off, or you're really, really ill, and we pray for those things, realize that, that God still may have grace in that moment, but you're actually praying for a consequence of not being faithful in what you needed to do in the first place. God may not answer some of those prayers. The choices that we make are able to help or hinder God's amazing design in our bodies. Have you ever recognized like natural healing was worked into us? Like, like what happens when you get a paper cut? Like God's design is that blood clots and, and it clumps together and it starts to like plug up that opening so that the bleeding stops. They lived in the Garden of Eden where there was no death. God's foresight worked healing into our bodies because he knew that this fall would happen and that we would struggle with these things. Otherwise, what would happen if we get a paper cut and we never healed? All the blood would just slowly drip out of our bodies and we would die. But God's design works in natural healing into our bodies in a way that we are are wonderfully and amazingly made. And we can either work in cooperation with that or we can actively work against that. We can look at many different studies that look at the type of foods that we eat, the lack of sleep, the lack of drinking enough water, the lack of movement can negatively affect our bodies. And the results of this cause us to be tired, exhausted. It limits our ability or even availability to serve others. Or even our emotional readiness, as so much food can affect our emotions negatively as well. There's studies that show that an excess of sugar can drastically reduce your body's natural immune system. And that you can get sick more often. Now if we're not aware of these things, there's an aspect of ignorance to this. And I think that's maybe one of the failures of the church at times because we see within Scripture that our bodies are considered to be temples for the Holy Spirit. And that we're supposed to live faithfully with those temples, that our bodies are not our own, that our lives are not our own, that we're meant for a purpose, that we're on a mission. And yet, if we make choices that hinder that mission by causing us to be sick all the time, that cause us to to be um, exhausted, we can make choices that affect that, that cause that. By the way that we spend our time, by the way that we eat, by how much water we drink and how much we sleep. We don't have time to get into all of those things. I'm just trying this morning to say, You make choices every day of your life that it can either help or hinder the mission that you're on for Jesus because they help or hinder your body's actions and ability to function in this life. Now, as I say this, it's not about strictness. It's not about trying to put in some framework of control and rigidity Because then we just become Pharisees trying to follow a whole bunch of rules again. And we can point fingers at a number of different things. What I'm actually looking at here is gluttony, which is a listed sin within Scripture. Often referred to uh, with food, uh, but also defined as to make light of, squander, or be lavish with. And so we can look at this in many different aspects of our life where it's a pursuit of comfort. It's a pursuit of pleasure. And often uh, what's happening here is a distortion of a neurotransmitter within our brain called dopamine. Which is released when it comes to a reward system. Which can happen with things online such as pornography. It can happen with shopping. The, the expectation of a reward of buying something. It happens with video games. It can happen with watching television. It happens with sugar. It can happen with food in and, and so many different ways. God designed it within us to be a reward of, of happiness, of good feeling when good things happen. But Satan is taken and distorted in such a way, especially within the society that we live in, because we have so much comfort. We're not on the fields for 12 hours a day. In order to survive, we have free time. And we have treats and snacks and fast food. And so what happens is this distortion has caused us to hit this dopamine reward button in our brain as many times as possible, which results in this gluttony of pursuing entertainment, shopping, anything in excess. And those things then become a hindrance to us. Because we pursue too much comfort, we could become lazy. Because we pursue too much fats and sugar and all these things that make our brain say, yay! We gain weight or we get tired or our immune systems are compromised and we get sick. If we honestly look at these these decisions Can Maybe it's not excess in one and a major problem here, but you add in a little too much of this, a little too much of this, not enough sleep, not enough water. All of them start to add up and can cause a great weight in our life. This passage that we're going to read, we often look at spiritually, but I believe it's here to be both spiritual and physical. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses around us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. The spiritual aspect is very clear here. Lay aside every sin. Lay aside every hindrance. But our choices with our bodies create physical hindrances to our service in Jesus Christ's name is calling us to lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares. Let us run with endurance. He's actually, the Holy Spirit is bringing in this physical and spiritual, even within the illustration. Run with endurance. The race that lies before, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is meant to be a pursuit in our life. Lay aside every hindrance that keeps us from pursuing the heavenly call of Jesus Christ and his mission for us here on earth. We can make those decisions that, that hinder us or help us in the spiritual. We can make the same kind of decisions in the physical by the way that we live our physical life here on earth. Ultimately, everything is meant to be a work in cooperation with God, to be on mission, to have supernatural focus, a supernatural expectation, and a humble boldness that it's His power, but He calls us to act and to do it boldly, that we're supposed to pray. God heals people. We don't, but yet the example in Scripture is for us to pray with boldness and not, Lord, if you will, could you heal this? I think it's a challenge for us, but if we do this, step out in faith, we'll see God work in our lives more uh, miraculously, both by design and dramatic healing, both in the physical and in the spiritual. Again, I said this morning that we don't have time to get into all of the physical aspects, and it's one of the reasons uh, why we felt led to to help start up a Faith Rx chapter. If that's something that you're interested in pursuing more, I invite you to come and join us on those things uh, as we pursue what God is calling us to. In that, uh, as we continue on. But uh, again, as I was praying this morning about what topic to preach on, what was in my face was the pursuit of health and a battle against illness. And God calls us to do both as the church to pursue it, and what he has. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Uh, Lord, I thank you for these verses that are within the Bible um, as we look at the calling that you have given to us in this life. Uh, It is challenging for us to pursue the heavenly call of, of living spiritually for you and to live physically for you. There's so many different choices that we have before us, and the truth is the more that we pursue our own agenda, our own kingdom, our own comfort, that those things result in hindrances to the calling that you have upon our life. Pray that you help by your Holy Spirit to reveal where those areas are as you cause, uh, call us to walk in faithfulness. And we trust that as we step out in faith, one foot in front of the other, sometimes maybe inch by inch that you are faithful and that you will work both in the physical and the spiritual lord i pray that you would increase our faith so that we would pray as you call us to pray for those that are sick and for you to move in any situation that we face and pray this in jesus name amen i'd like to invite you to stand as we go into worship here this morning oh christian's got something You coming up? Okay. Yeah. No. Totally. Good. Because that would be awkward to be like, share,
1: we're we're very close. Um, So as I kind of meditated on what Joshua was saying today, um, the question is kind of like how do we go forward with this, right? This is for I think a lot of us a pretty big challenge in how to move forward in prayer. And I just wanted to point out something in scripture that I found with the scripture that Joshua was reading today out of Acts three, where Peter and John go to the gate. Right. And they see the man standing or, or laying there. That was the gate called beautiful. Right. And how long had they been placing that guy out there? For like his whole life. Right. Now, this was in Jerusalem and it was at the synagogue. Who else was at the synagogue in Jerusalem multiple times while they were walking the earth? Jesus himself, right? And so this was a guy that was at the gate that Jesus didn't heal. Is that fair? Potentially, yeah. Potentially. So I looked up that word beautiful, and this is something that I'd done a long time ago, but I think the Lord triggered it with me today. And that word beautiful means beautiful. It's actually the Greek word horaios, 5611 uh, in Strong's. And it is an hour of fulfillment, properly a particular hour or season of time, beautiful in timing, hence fruitful because fully developed and ready to be fulfilled. As we go forward here today, our job is to be faithful in how we pray because you never know if it's going to be God's beautiful timing with the person that we pray for. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Um, Yeah,
0: he just calls us to step out in faith and to continue to step out in faith until that timing. I invite you to stand as we head into worship. I have a reminder that we do have the prayer team out through the doors, off to the left, Um, and especially today, step out in faith if you need healing in some aspects of your life, Uh, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, uh, we want to pray for those things uh, in faith, and so I invite you to head back uh, for prayer this morning.